In today's episode, we explore how to create transformational gatherings from board meetings to fundraising events. We draw on the wisdom of gathering expert Priya Parker to expand how we think about events and simple steps we can do to make them even more meaningful. Hello, and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon, and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks. And today we are thinking about all those spring and summer gatherings that are starting to be planned. Sarah, do you have any big events coming up in your organization or community? Well, I'm currently stuck on the words spring and summer because at least in my neck of the woods, winter <laughs> is still very much here. But you're right. Yes, people are starting to put together the to-do lists for their upcoming uh, spring and summer events. And on my calendar are not just a couple of big events, but a whole bunch of small gatherings. I'm finding that, especially coming well out of COVID, I hope, that we're seeing more appetite for lots of small gatherings. And I've been trying to think of how to apply Priya Parker's principles to those, not just to big events. Yeah, that's great. And I'll tell you, I'm coming out to your neck of the woods in May and that snow better be gone. (laughs) (laughs) It will, it will. (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking a lot about the Central Washington Conference. It's the annual conference kind of in your area and a few other events in the next six months. I think the conference cycle is starting to kick in again. You know, we've referenced Priya Parker's book, The Art of Gathering in the Past, and I wondered if we might take some time to unpack her suggestions and apply them to these nonprofit gatherings. We definitely should. And if you haven't read that book yet, it's an amazing guide. Really helps you think differently about why it matters to bring people together. Really, I totally agree. The first thing that really caught my eye is that every gathering needs a purpose. And she gives some great examples, like even a birthday party needs a purpose, like is the purpose to celebrate, you know, something special about that individual? Or is it to celebrate the number of years that the person has reached? I mean, every gathering needs a purpose and that purpose needs to be explicit. And we can't assume that everyone has the same notion of what the purpose is, right? We might have a fundraising event. We assume everybody understands it's to raise money, but that's just such a first too broad of a purpose. And other people might think it's about building the community or inviting in partners or showcasing the work. I mean, there's a million other things that a fundraising event could also be, right? Absolutely. And I think part of the part of the important piece of that purpose is not just knowing what it is and coming to some agreement, maybe with your committee of people who are planning the event on what the purpose is, but then stating it clearly for others so that you don't have those misassumptions, you know, missed opportunities to say, oh, well, I, I thought I was coming to, you know, just be a friend. You're asking me to be a funder. And that kind of awkward mismatch that can happen when we have different assumptions about a purpose. Yeah, it comes into play in like a staff meeting, too, that if you think, you know, we think, okay, it's, I don't know, Tuesday at 10 o'clock, I have that staff meeting and everybody theoretically knows that there's a purpose there, but I'm not sure everybody agrees. I worked with one executive director who really just needed to see her team, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and this is coming out more and more after COVID where 
People just want to physically, I need to see that you're here working. Whereas other people like a staff member might come and say, I really need some answers to these questions. And so if that executive director doesn't come with some answers to those questions, you've got a mismatch and you've got a waste of time. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that an event or a gathering can have can have more than one purpose, but you need to be really clear and agreed, come to consensus on what the primary purpose is, right? Mm -hmm. So it is true that your staff meeting might, you know, involve team building and making sure we all know each other's workloads and can help each other and answering lingering questions. But at some point, someone needs to articulate what the primary purpose is. And so that you can establish the gathering and event around that primary purpose and let the other good things kind of just percolate as wonderful unintended consequences. I've even been suggesting this for board meetings and Mm -hmm. really to be the purpose of this meeting is to decide whether we're going to do program X. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great to put at the top of your board agenda? Oh, we can all dream. Yes, 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 yes. So the second thing is the role of the host. And this is something that I, I really, I think is so helpful. She talks, Priya Parker talks about generous authority. So you've invited people into a space. You have responsibility to make sure that they have the kind of experience that is helpful, that lives your values, that you can't just invite people to a space and then hang back, that that just doesn't work. Yeah, your role includes actively connecting them to one another as well. Yeah, and I again, this is such an interesting tenant to unpack because oftentimes, I'm guessing a nonprofit radio show listener might be someone who's helping to organize an event. And that person may or may not be the actual host of the event. So I often help, you know, events come together, but actually it's someone like the board chair or a volunteer or someone who maybe whose house is hosting the event is the actual host. And sometimes they're well-prepared and know immediately what to do as a host to make people feel comfortable or to, you know, create the set setup for that purpose you want to get. And other times they need some coaching. And you need to help them see how they are the host. And so really thinking through who is the host (laughs) of this event, who's ready to be that host, and what do I need to do to support them and and get them there? Totally agree. I mean, I think about the board chair at a board meeting. I would say whoever's organizing it, I think of the board chair as the convener of the meeting. And so that's where the board chair really needs to think about how am I proactively ensuring that the folks sitting around the table or in in you know the couches in the living room, how do I ensure that they are fully connected and engaged and feel welcome? I mean, you think about a staff meeting, it's probably the executive director, but doesn't necessarily need to be. You know, you mentioned fundraising events. I mean, there's just who is the host and how do we ensure that that host is proactive in filling that role? You know, and again, back to how do we as maybe the person who isn't the host support that for in my organization, I meet with our board chair before our board meetings and we go over the agenda. We go over the time schedule together so that he will know, gosh, we're probably going to get pushed here. I'll need to be really careful with not letting the conversation go too, too long, kind of helping the board chair see the whole whole two hours all of it at once ahead of time, but kind of preemptively so that then when they get to the meeting, they can be that gracious host whose goal is to invite conversation and discussion and and healthy debate. So again, sometimes 
the most important piece to the hosting is how are you setting them up for success? I love that. So often our job is to help other people shine. And that's an important thing too. So the third idea is this notion of creating a temporary world. Mm -hmm. And I really love this idea. I actually read the book at the time that my daughter was uh, having a significant birthday. And so I employed some of the strategies in the book Exactly. I created this like kind of special space where folks were supposed to come as her favorite characters. I did this whole mystery thing where I didn't tell people where the party was. I unleashed a series of clues and I only told them an hour ahead of time where it was going to be. And people were quite like, that was the most fun we've had in a long time. And it's because there was all this anticipation and this magical kind of temporary world that we created. I love this notion of passageways and doorways. So ways that show people that they're entering a special space. I think about like our dear friend Gila Muir, when she runs training, she always has music playing and it's always joyful music. There's often food involved, right? I love this notion of how do we create a space where people are separate from their maybe stressful everyday life. Absolutely. And I can sense anxiety among our nonprofit radio listeners right now because that sounds complicated, right? It it sounds like the um, event that went over the top on decorations and had, you know, $64,000 spent on, you know, balloons to make it appear to be a different world. And I just want to highlight that oftentimes it's not something elaborate or expensive. It's something thoughtful. It's something that matches your mission. I remember helping my daughter's Montessori school when she was, you know, quite little. And, you know, Montessori has a very specific educational philosophy. And one of the things I always encourage is like at each one of our gatherings, we should engage in a Montessori-like activity. So instead of telling me something, help me discover it. It didn't have to be elaborate. It didn't have to involve, you know, streamers and balloons. It could, but it was being that, it's that thoughtful passageway. It's that thoughtful moment of, oh, I'm not in my usual world. I'm in the world that matches this mission. Mm, And that that ties to me to this notion of having multi-sensory experiences. And again, that doesn't have to be really complicated. It just means that so often we have meetings that are really about knowledge exchange. And I tell you stuff and you listen and then the meeting is over. And how do we mix it up so that we have stories that touch our hearts? How do we have music? How do we have food? How do we... How do we have a site visit where we see the sights and sounds of our work? And this passageway and doorway, I often think a lot, and this ties back to the host role of when you enter a path, if we go down a passageway, you're at a doorway. I think sometimes it's as simple as having someone there, just somebody, it could be a staff member, it could be anyone, but just someone to say, welcome. Yeah, just that's a simple way to do that. So here's our fourth idea. And I I also love this one. Begin before you begin. Mm -hmm. And there's a wonderful uh, quote from the book. Your gathering begins at the moment your guest first learns of it. The moment of discovery. Your event has begun long before you call that board meeting to order or you stand at the podium and greet your gala guests. That if you think about that first email you send inviting people to something, how do you make it clear that this is going to be a special event, that this is worth your time? It has a purpose and you being there is important. 
Yep. And that comes down to all the little details, right? I think back to some events we've had and just the difference in what the actual invitation looks like and says, how that can kind of signal what sort of event this is. So, you know, we did one event that was a fundraising event. It was a dinner. You know, that invitation had a different look and feel to it than an event that's super casual, you know, stop by when you want, come in and see our new space. Both worth your time, you know, both valuable, um, but you can you can help signal sort of what kind of event and what I might expect, what I might need to be prepared for when I come to it as a guest, simply by what the invitation looks like and, and what wording you use in it. Yeah, I think a lot about what you want people to think about before the event. So like think about a board meeting or a staff meeting or really any kind of even a fundraising event. I want to get them thinking about something before we gather, mm-hmm. because then they're more likely to be engaged and they're more likely to remember what we talked about. Mm, I love the idea, Nancy, of thinking about an event invitation that has in it a question. Okay, so the last one is <laughs> begin when you begin. <laughs> and this seems so obvious. And in the book, uh, Priya Parker writes a wonderful uh, introduction talking about the funeral that began with all of the logistics about where to park. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Can yeah. you imagine? Oh. Well, and I have to say, I think ever since reading this book, I've been paying attention to beginnings. And I'd say... Nine and a half times out of 10 nonprofit events begin with the thank you for the sponsors and the logistics. They absolutely do. And I just don't kill the buzz with logistics, right? I love the example of, you know, Saturday Night Live begins with a cold opening. Why does it do that? It grabs you the second it starts, right? The second it starts, you know, it's going to be something current. You know, it's going to be funny. And it's just you're paying attention from the moment the show turns on. And so you think about your first words at a board meeting. They set the tone. Your first words at a staff meeting. They set the tone, right? Yep. And it's not that logistics or thinking people isn't important. It's just thinking about where to put that in the program and how to make sure that information is actually accessible to people. I mean, maybe it's better to have the logistics like written on a card at the table (laughs) so I know where to go to find the restroom without having to audibly hear it and remember it amidst all the noise in the room or, you know, just being really thoughtful. And, And most of all, again, I think what she is saying is that those first words out of your mouth, they're the next passageway. They're the next moment when I tell you, Nancy, you're in a different space now. I want you thinking and feeling in a different space. Yeah, I was recently involved in a grant kickoff uh, meeting, but and it was a new partnership and a really, I think if we could really make this partnership happen, it could be really powerful and help people a lot. And yet the funding agency clearly didn't read Priya Parker's book. Yeah. <laughs> It was heartbreaking. They began the meeting with, I I, I wasn't timing it, but I think it was about 15 minutes explaining the legislation that allowed for this funding that we were about to be spending down. And I was just looking at the faces of my colleagues in the room and their faces were just going from anticipation to, oh my God, I don't know, like boredom, disengagement. 
Yeah. I mean, I always, I wish I did this for every single gathering. I, I admit that some of the small ones I miss, but as maybe a, a practice for 2023, I kind of like the idea of writing down a word or two of what is the feeling I want someone who's in the room to have. Um, and then thinking, okay, what is the start? What's the opening that gets us there? You know, the other piece I will say that I think is really important when we think about the art of gathering is to begin when you end. And that is making sure you're really planning and preparing ahead of time for what your follow-up will be to someone. Mm-hmm. I go to so many events where um, the event is lovely and I never hear from the organization again until they you know, send me a written appeal for money months later. And the events that kind of stand out in my mind, not only start with something that feels meaningful and deep, but include that for me later with a follow-up, right? Like some pictures from the event or a, a kind uh, message to all that, um, you know, wow, that that here's why that evening was meaningful to me as a board member or um, s- something that helps kind of close the event, I think is also really important. I love that. So you begin before you begin and you end after you end. Exactly. exactly. Yes. <laughs> I think we figured that out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, our word of the week, I think is art. Cause I really noticed that it's called the art of gathering. So why art and why not the science of gathering or the, you know, the magic of gathering or really anything else? Why the word art? And you know, what is art? And I, you know, art is the expression of human creativity and imagination. I recently walked through an art gallery appreciating the paintings all around me. And I was just thinking that those paintings came out of someone, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, Sarah, your husband's an artist and mm-hmm. that you you see this human and they produce this painting. And it's such a expression of their humanity and it's it's them trying to connect with other people and that's just incredibly powerful i think likewise we can create those intentional spaces that engage the people who come into our spaces in a more deeper and a more meaningful way and when we're when we're doing it in a more meaningful way we are going to have better more productive board meetings more energizing staff meetings more successful fundraising events right absolutely you know when i when i heard you say the science of gathering i literally like my energy level just like i deflated a little bit i was like oh i mean there is some science to it right like you have to have invitations that have the correct date and time and the location and you know Sure, there are actual principles that need to happen in order to have an effective gathering. But thank goodness we don't think about it as the science of that. And instead, if we embrace the idea of the art of it, I think we not only allow ourselves to not be stuck in it has to be done this way because we've always done it this way. We we give ourselves the freedom to explore and try. And we also give the freedom for others to weigh in and say, here was my experience of that. And did that get at what your your purpose was? It's a art is a discussion, right? Art is art is mm-hmm. a, someone trying to say something, and you having a response, um, and it it creates that kind of cycle of focusing in on what really matters in your organization. So I think absolutely, I'm so grateful we think of gathering as art. Well, the good news is we are starting to gather again, and that can be a really joyful thing. As we plan our gatherings of any kind, we all can take the small steps to create those transformational and really meaningful experiences. 
If we shift how we meet, we can better achieve our mission. And that is a good thing. You've got this. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show today. Tell your friends about the Nonprofit Radio Show and follow us on your favorite podcast app. Visit nonprofitradioshow.com for tips, tools, and free resources for nonprofits. The show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks in partnership with the Nonprofit Learning Center, delivering learning and innovation to help nonprofits thrive. Our production team is Steve Fonslet and Mep Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. We always love to hear from our listeners. We're inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities. Mm-hmm.